Welcome back to the Ink Sync. I am Annie. I'm Kaylee. And this is the publishing podcast for the rest of us. We are here talking about books. Yeah, we are. We are super book nerd fans, and we're going to tell you about it. Yeah. Whether you want to hear about it or not. (laughs) You must want to because you're listening still, so. Maybe. I don't know how people find this podcast if there's like an algorithm somewhere out there that's like, oh, you like X, you must like these weirdos. Right. I can't imagine. But also, I mean, algorithms, how do they work? Honestly. It's based on like what? someone else liked so maybe if one person likes us and then comes from something else then ev- then all the other people that were at that other thing also get us anyway we're glad you're here however you made it we're happy to have you <laughs> yes we are we genuinely are thank you so much we hope you enjoy this episode yeah you're about to be radicalized into uh, our library army to fight the book bans that's, that's right we have an entire section today about that and i was just getting increasingly angry as I was um, organizing it. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's okay. It's just, again, I do also want to take a very brief moment because uh-huh. we are going to speak about book bans. We are going to get angry, yeah. probably. But I do want to take another moment because, like, you know, the media loves to sensationalize things. Yes. But, like, even then, the majority of people, like, when we talk to them directly, we poll people in these areas where book bans are happening, people oppose them. It is the vocal minority right now that is the issue. And it's just people that... I don't know, have too much time on their hands and just hate and want to take their misery out on everyone else. Specifically, I think something like 80% of Americans are against the current book banning situation happening. So I think that that's definitely correct. It's a vocal minority that's trying to ban. Support your local libraries, Mm -hmm. as always. Write in, and even if you don't want to, like, really take a lot of time, just be like, hey, I I oppose book bans, I like books, and free access to information, and the libraries are great. That would be helpful. Just a couple sentences, if you can, to your your local representatives in your state. Really, absolutely. We just started, we're just starting off with... (laughs) We usually start off with, like, banter or something, but today we're like activism <laughs> just no just enemies of the state that's right oh, it's like have you seen um oh god what's his name the internet's boyfriend the redhead who plays D. oh uh brennan brennan mulligan brennan mulligan when he was doing that like activist goblin guy he's no! just like remember kids police are just the arm of the state and they don't care about you they only care about the state's power now let's burn it down <laughs> no i miss that but i've got to look just, it up it's a oh, it's like a bunch of TikTokers have been using the audio of just being like, I don't know what you kids are up to, but just remember, police are arms of the state. Thanks, Brennan. <laughs> I think we should take all of our uh, advice for civic engagement from viral clips on TikTok of a of a D&D game of a guy playing a goblin. All of that sounds correct <laughs> and appropriate. Side note, I watched the new D&D movie. Isn't it so good? I didn't watch all of it, but I did like it. It was very sweet. Why didn't you watch all? Because I I was working and they oh, just no. had it on while oh, I was working, and it was mean honestly because I wanted to watch. I appreciate <laughs> so I, I just, that for you. I do love this renaissance of Michelle Rodriguez because she was so sidelined for so many years just because she she just wanted to play that one character of like the one in Aliens, you know, what's her name, Vasquez mm-hmm. in Aliens, where she just like wakes up from cryo sleep and starts doing pull ups. <laughs> And like that's Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's fantastic, but for a long time it felt like Hollywood didn't quite know what to do with her. And now they fucking do. And I am so here for it. I want every Michelle they brought her back for a recent Resident Evil movie, like number five or so, and then they killed her again. But she was still a fucking badass in 
the first one. Remember the first Resident Evil? Oh, yeah. Movie. Hell yeah. yeah. They've been trying to recapture that. and They always are. Because they're like, well, fun. everybody really liked these things. So let's yeah. just immediately do away with them and try oh God, other things. Yes. That's always how Hollywood does it. It was terrible. so weird. I love I that why. story, though. Mm-hmm. I would love a new Resident Evil based on the story from the first movie. Because that's just such a cool Alice in Wonderland, but creepy story. Anyway, what's going on with you, Kaylee? How you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I am um, unpacking. Yeah, you just moved. How's the new house? Um, the house is great. So we have, it's funny. So we have a humidifier running upstairs and the dehumidifier running in the basement. Awesome. Even with it constantly running, we're at about 55 humidity index of whatever it measures. Okay. I don't, I don't have any context for that. I have none. I also don't know anything about weather, but does this not create like a, a cloud in the, in the middle floor? I'm really actually hoping to be struck by lightning in my house and yeah. get weather powers like storm. Isn't that how that works? I'm hoping. It's like I a temperature plus water. Hope. You I just get know. a fog. You just have a morning fog in, in the, your kitchen. In the, middle of the, in the middle of the house? No, sadly yeah. not yet, but someday, maybe. It's good, good, good. I want I want to see that. Oh, cheers, cheers. <laughs> Sorry, I was just putting my kid down again. <laughs> Cheers. Um, but yeah, so that's that's fun. Um, I just came back from a bachelorette trip. That's right. We went and we did Disney, which was great. In um, California. Disneyland. Yes, we did Disneyland. And uh, also, I spent too much money. Of course I did. But like, <laughs> I found my re- wedding rehearsal dinner dress, which is super that's cute. That's the Disney guarantee. Yeah, that is. That's right. It was really cute. Good, um, good. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a great time. My friend had a great time. We did everything she wanted to do. It was a lot of fun. What about you, Annie? How you doing? Oh, I'm still in school. (laughs) Suffering. I'm actually a little bit hungover as we're recording this. My cohort, some other people from my class are graduating with their master's degrees today as we're recording this. So I was out with them last night because I'm not going to the ceremony and I'm not, I'm not walking. I'm going to do something a little bit different for myself, but I wanted to make sure that I was there for them last night and I was there for them a little bit too hard, honestly. We had to push back recording because I was hungover and sleepy. It's all self-inflicted. Honestly, I'm just going to chug this monster and we're going to get through it. (laughs) I haven't gotten any feedback recently from any of our uh, people commenting on our stuff. So if you all want to let us know how you feel about any of our episodes. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. I I would love to argue with you on um, any of Annie's social media. (laughs) Yes. Please comment on my social media and then Kaylee will get back to you. <laughs> yep. Did you watch that? There's like a Netflix documentary on this guy. He's a hacker and he was in jail and he had to like, he he wanted to bring a new case before the court, but he, because he was a hacker and in jail, he couldn't have access to a computer. So he and his lawyer worked out this system where he, his lawyer would go and like type something into Google uh, screenshot the Google search page, print that out, bring it to the guy in jail, have the guy either say, click on one of these or go to the next page. Then he would go back to the computer and do it. And this was over like years. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> That's insanity. That's bonkers. Anyway, so Kaylee wants to do that for you all. Um, <laughs> I aggressively. That sounds delightful. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest. Uh, we're on Pinterest just because I like it. So, you know. If you don't like it, you don't have to. But I personally am on probably almost all social medias just because I'm terminally online. And you can argue with me about anything in any of our episodes on any of those platforms. Uh, But you can see where we are officially as the podcast on our link tree, which you can find wherever you found this podcast. Kaylee, let's jump into the news. Absolutely. 
Do you want to intro this article about authors supporting each other through the hard times? Oh my gosh. So this was like sad but also funny because one of the things that I really enjoyed about this was just like it's not new. It's just more visible now. So what we were talking around right now is um, authors supporting authors through empty book signings, basically. Just events. Just commiserating. events. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just like, hey, yeah, you solidarity. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, and apparently there was like discussions from agents that would they would go with their authors and they'd be like in malls and just trying to like harass people into coming and joining. Yeah. For- if you listeners have never been to a book signing, um, me neither. <laughs> and also it's it's because not a lot of people go to book signings, but authors, like, when they're scheduled to be there, they'll be there, whether there's someone there or not. Mm-hmm. And so that leads to a lot of authors just sitting at a table, at a table in either an empty room or in a Barnes and Noble and, like, just people walking up to them being like, hey, I need help finding a book. And then yeah. being like, well, you can have one of mine. <laughs> so sad. I'd be happy to sign this one for you. Margaret Atwood, who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, among other books, had a funny story about how at one of her she early book signings, tape. yes, someone walked up to her to ask where the scotch tape was. And that was the only person who walked up to her at that book signing. So sad. It is. Yeah. So apparently that's just, it's not like a new thing. It's not like pandemic did anything. This yeah. is just standard stuff. I have actually been to a book signing. I've never been to yeah, one. Um, so there was a book series that um, me and mom actually both read. Okay. It was like a, a perfect like kind of intersection between like saucy romance and action adventure. So I was like, oh yeah, and I'll like skim the parts I don't care about, you know, for important dialogue as in all life of my just reading my mother's romance novels because they were the only things and i house. have 100% skipped entire chapters of books just so that i can get to the next dialogue point because i was so uninterested in whatever was happening <laughs> yep yep well is this going to come back when she tries to yeah right is this going to be relevant defeat the the villain and take back her family's ranch or whatever no Probably then don't not. care about yep. it <laughs> um so anyway, uh, so before it went off the rails, so mm-hmm. there was a she she signed it. It was the um, but it's like it's like a twenty book series at this point. Wow. Like, yeah, imagine writing twenty. I books. can't. I genuinely can't. That's incredible. Like it is incredible. I I can only assume. I wonder how many. Like I've written a lot of shit in my life that's been published, but it's all it's almost all been news. And I think if all of that was collected, it would make maybe a book. I can't imagine. And I mean, I don't have any fiction out there. You have you have fan fiction out there. If it, if it was all collected, do you think it would be a book? Yeah. It would be one Easy. book? Oh, okay. Okay. But not 20. <laughs> no. I would probably, with everything that I've got, I'd probably say three books. If you did an author signing for your three books, I would come. <gasps> would you? And, and I would have you sign them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be able to meet your eyes for some of it, but yes, I would. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, this... What is going on here? <laughs> like you can't ask questions that wasn't in the contract. I mean, it's not what you paid it? for. Yeah. I'll sign it. I didn't say I'd answer questions. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome though. Were, were there a lot of people there? Was that your experience, or was it that it was like a small thing? Like the no, actually. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know. We were only there for say twenty minutes, sure. you know, whatever. It seemed like she was relatively well received. That's awesome. It was that was um it was Borders. To be fair, like they didn't have a lot of space. It was kind of like the very edge of the store, so maybe it was looked busier which is good Mm, honestly yeah yeah nothing draws a crowd like a crowd exactly so um it was super cool to like meet her but that's the only book signing you've ever been to um i'm trying to think i think i've probably been to another one or two but like that's the one i really remember it's so hard i imagine because i mean as someone who's had to 
look into book publicity and promotion for class and also for, you know, this podcast, like marketing is hard. Like people don't care <laughs> like yeah. about anything. Yes. W- what Kaylee was saying earlier about how this has always been kind of a thing, but it's more open now is because of social media. We we've talked about this on the show before that like social media is still we're still learning new effects of social media. And one of these is authors connecting together and posting these kind of sad pictures of just empty rooms where they've been to a signing and then someone else chiming in like Neil Gaiman saying hey you you know know, me and Terry Pratchett sat at a desk and talked to two people for six hours one time you know it happens to all of us and Mm -hmm. Margaret Atwood always shares the story about how someone just walked up to her looking for scotch tape (laughs) early in her signings yeah yeah. I, I like. It's I so love sweet. Yeah, that I love like, that they're supporting each other. Yeah, solidarity, and also just it's not new. And so anybody that is like kind of downhearted about like the lack of response to anything you've done or putting yeah. out, like it's not you. It's, it's not you, really. No. Like I'm sure your content is wonderful. You just timing and market. I just you know you just got to give it time, and then you just got to let the market kind of get to your stuff. So just keep trying. As John Mulaney says, it is so much easier to not do things. It is inc- it's accurate. That is so true. Getting people to do things is kind of a big deal. It's very difficult to do. Moving on to something that I don't like talking about, but we're going to Bookman's. Actually, this is good news. This first uh, story was good news. Penguin Random House and Pen America. Penguin Random House is a publishing company. Pen America is a press freedom organization. And several authors are suing a school district in Florida, saying that the bans that they've gone through for students' books violate their constitutional rights to free speech and protection from discrimination. Yeah, it's a lot easier to mount a blitz attack and hope nobody responds. And that's genuinely what blitz attacks are. Like, people are... Just like, well, this is stupid. It'll pass. And then it didn't pass. People are getting bolder and bolder. So now people are actually pushing back and responding. And not like, oh, it's these two rando, wildly liberal ladies from Maryland, from the East Coast. It's like people in the, those communities, it's their local like parents are banding together and working with, in this case, Penguin Random House. But other people too, like teachers, you know, everybody's pushing back. And it's not just like one or two places. Like there was a lawsuit brought to like the state of Texas by local parents, um, which we'll get into in, in a bit. I think that's in here as well. Yeah, that's in this section. That's, yeah. But like, it's just, thank God, because like, it's just so like frustrating. And I think that's the big thing is as well as one of these articles discusses. I mean, it can hurt authors 100%. We've talked a little bit about that. But like the the real damage is people are self-censoring. Yeah, like they're gonna like stay in the closet longer. They're not gonna be them their authentic selves. They're hurting themselves, and it doesn't change who they are. You're not changing who these people are. You're just being awful. You're just being a terrible, wormy person. Just go away. Stop. And I like worms, so you're being like a Japanese jumping worm, which is an invasive species and needs to not be in my garden. <laughs> Tell him, Kaylee. Hopefully the moles will handle that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, shit. I need to turn my enemies against each other. <laughs> yeah. So for those who haven't been following this, a bunch of conservative groups, and they are, we can say without, you know, generalizing that these are by and large conservative groups are going after books on sexuality, but also books on race and also books on teens having sex. Even um, though teens have sex. 
Like you can't. You- one of the things that really stood out Ugh. to me with this one. So there. So in this specific community in Florida, this started with a book specifically about teens having sex. And I, I kind of want to jump into that because we don't usually get a chance to talk about this with any kind of nuance. But I think that there is a little bit of nuance here. We've talked about what banning depictions of other cultures and sexualities does to education, and we're all on board with that. But there is a discussion to be had here about education and harm reduction. Mm-hmm. You know, people get squicked out thinking that your their kids are having sex in general, even straight sex. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they just get squicked out and they don't want to think about that. And so they take away these opportunities for education, which automatically take away these opportunities for harm reduction. <laughs> Look, kind of- even if they're not personally having sex, they know people that are. So it's not like yes. they're unaware that sex is a thing. Yeah. What you're what you're doing, and I know this because I graduated in the South where we did not have – all of my sex education happened in, in the North. Oh, really? When we moved. Yeah. I mean, I was only there for like one year. Sure. But like I asked her – my – tiny ass like agricultural school had the highest ratio of pregnant graduates it doesn't fucking work yeah harm reduction necessitates that they know (laughs) the basics if nothing else my biggest frustration with the moves that have been made is that they're calling like things that are talking about authentic experiences of children yeah as like pornography when it's not it's people right. being pressured into sex and trying to figure out ways around that and you're you're taking away the tools for other ones so for for your actual children to recognize when someone is trying to pressure them into sex yeah. and ways for them to respond because this person's like and oh to- this happened to me i wish i had done this differently it was bad and to recognize abuse in some cases like when abuse happens when you're young as a child you don't always understand that it was abuse giving someone the language to deal with it is a good th- like I don't even know how to describe what a good thing it is and at least to get help if nothing else even if they can't do employ some of these harm reduction practices themselves they can at least get help they can at least describe what happened to them instead of just saying it was weird or something like that when you don't have the language like you know it's wrong so I, I agree with you 100% yes. So the suit was just filed in Florida. We won't know the result for the while, but it is the largest suit to be brought against a school district over these moves in the past three years. And much like other suits that are currently happening very publicly in Florida, there is a lot of evidence to support the fact that certain people's groups are being unfairly targeted. Hard numbers, <laughs> facts. Yeah, we're going to post um, that article from Publishers Weekly into the show notes. Um, so you'll be able to see, but like in this one district in Florida, it was just one lady who didn't like oh, a it's John like one Green language book. arts teacher. And yeah. she had not even read the book. She hadn't even read it. Like it's can you imagine? Because it depicted teen sex. One of the reasons that I wanted to make sure that we finished that story before we jumped into the next one is because this one might maybe support the idea that this PRH slash pen slash author suit could win. Mm-hmm. Um there was a win last month. Um this is also in Texas. Actually. In Texas, yeah. So this is also from Publishers Weekly. A preliminary injunction in Austin, Texas, uh caused a stir. A judge said that books removed by those conservative efforts should be returned before the larger trial. They were, it was unconstitutional yes. to remove them. Yes. So the judge thought it was un- uh, that the that the protesters were correct that it was un- unconstitutional to remove the books. This is not binding. It's just until the larger trial takes place. We don't know when that larger trial mm-hmm. will happen, but it is extremely encouraging especially because like using legal precedent like we have a judge's order saying that this is true which is helpful (laughs) i will say that i want you to consider so the response there was a discussion on whether they would close the library 
rather than return these books to the shelves. And ultimately, they decided to not do that. Mm-hmm. But where do you find the fucking audacity that your community has spoken out and you're like well no fuck you i hope all your taxpayers move away and you die poor and sad (laughs) i'm so frustrated you absolute we get very walnuts we get very passionate about i'm trying to like i've only got like five swears and i've already used them up this episode YouTube doesn't give us any, so... Oh, no! Okay. I'm going to just give you, like, random, totally PG words. I just need you to record them, and then you can just sub them in. and But make it, like, super... I'll like say it, like, in a really TV deadpan... appropriate ones. I'm going to be like, really... you absolute wonderful. You fuck person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll make it as deadpan as possible, so it's really obvious Good. that you're dubbing over me awesome. with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sorry. I just, it's so insanely stupid. And I hate, Mm -hmm. I hate idiots. I I find (laughs) it really infuriating as well. It's absolutely crazy. And it's widespread. Unfortunately, you know, we're talking about Florida and Texas, but it's widespread. This, um, this is from publishing perspectives. There have been a, there's been a 38% jump year over year, a record 2,571 unique titles have been targeted for censorship in the United States in 22, according to the American Libraries Association, which is, that's, that's a shit ton of books. Another thing, and because I wanted to make sure that we rounded this out with, you know, if you want to help, if you want to do something, but if you also want to keep educated, Publishers Weekly, I didn't write Publishers Weekly in this. I wrote Penguin Random House. I'm so (laughs) sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I sent Kaylee these news notes and there was a typo. Um, uh, So if you want to follow this, uh, Mm. Publishers Weekly. (laughs) You got this. I'm fine. If you want to follow this, Publishers Weekly has a weekly newsletter that it sends out about the state of libraries. And it's just a bunch of updates from local libraries, national libraries, school libraries talking about, you know, what's going on. And it it also contains a lot of stuff about book banning, which, again, is infuriating. I'm sorry. But it also contains, you know, rays of hope and updates. And if you want to help keep getting educated. So I'm going to add a link to that also into the show notes. I have one from this past week in our actual notes um, because I wanted to make sure that Kaylee could also see what we were recommending (laughs) and just put it in there and be like, Kaylee, I promise this is good. Don't worry. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Don't ask questions. It's fine. I believe you, Annie. Yeah. Publishers Weekly is free. Um, Some of the links might be going to paywalls just as a heads up, but you can subscribe for free and follow along for free. And please, please, please support your local libraries. Always. 100%. Moving on, our old friend, the Internet Archive. Oh, boo. They're appealing. So they lost their case, and largely publishers are like, this is a win for publishers and authors. Okay. Okay. So controlled digital lending. Let's just start there, because I think it's important to understand what this fight was actually about. That's probably a good idea. So controlled digital lending means that you have a physical book, you make it digital, you scan it in, and then if someone borrows the digital version of that book, you then don't allow anyone to borrow the physical version. So effectively, you have one book that is either available offline or online. And if it's being checked out offline, you can't look at it online. And if it's being checked out online, you can't look at it offline. So so essentially, the problem is that much like libraries that are attempting to resolve this in a directly 
like legal challenge in Supreme Courts in every state. You don't get money, the full cost of the book every time someone checks it out digitally. So publishers say that this is a violation of their copyright, that they believe that essentially everyone should be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say that they're saying anything else. They want people to pay more for more books. They want to they want someone to pay full price for every single book that they read, which I like, okay, but also like, no, no I don't want to do that. Like, I would much rather check it out from the library. Like the library bought the book. Library owns the book. I am borrowing it from the library. Like someone paid for this book. And I'm not, we're not, we're not encouraging stealing. We don't ever encourage pirating. But also like, what do you expect people to do? You'd rather they not read your book? Apparently it's so anyway. So during the pandemic, the Internet Archive expanded some of that and loosened some of its rules about its one-to-one policy. And so the publishers kind of jumped on that. Interestingly, though, in this uh, case, uh, the emergency bit was never really mentioned. And they are just essentially arguing against controlled digital lending because they the publishers feel that it is a violation of their copyright because they own the rights to it. Um, so technically, they control where it goes. And they don't believe that digital ownership is ownership, essentially. Which is why it is it just considered that's that is the message that has been sent and yeah. how many books and media you own. So the Internet Archive has- And whether you want to give that, those publishers your money for yeah. that content <laughs> rather than just- Like, I keep wanting to lend any books that I only have digital, on yeah. digital like, means. And it's really frustrating. And I just need to go, like, buy them from, like, Barnes & Nobles <laughs> or Books a Million. Or right. if I can get a local bookshop, like, right, a much, yeah. you know, because there's, there's a few in the city still. Oh yeah, how, how what's the local bookshop situation when in your new place? Um, in your, your new place, I think I'm gonna just start going through the comic shop because they do like they can order books and stuff, so sure. they've got the contract. If I'm gonna have it ordered to my house anyway, might as well just go through them. Fair, totally fair. That's a good idea, Kayla. And it gives them money. Absolutely, support your local comic shop. <laughs> anyway, so the Internet Archive lost its case uh, with the publishers. The they judge are ruled. Appealing, yes, they are appealing. Um, but in fairness, the, both sides have said that whatever the outcome was, they were going to appeal regardless. So we're going to be mm-hmm. hearing more about this. Is this going to affect your usage of the Internet Archive? Probably not. Um, at the moment, it's kind of just restricting some controlled digital lending. But the Internet Archive also has other types of digital lending that it does. So um, if you are a student like me who has used Internet Archive. <laughs> to uh, get your school books, you should still be able to do that just in a kind of more limited way, which is very annoying. But uh, for now, that's just going to keep going. And a lot of people in the industry have their eyes on this, especially in the library industry. And we don't we don't know how it's going to shake out. My hope is that, of course, some some compromise has to be reached, where these publishers acknowledge that not everyone is going to pay for every single book. That they want to read. I mean, and they could, I suppose, but that's not feasible for most people. Like anyone who is living paycheck to paycheck cannot afford to buy all of their – they can't even afford to buy the movies they've got. Like this is why streaming is a thing. I'm not sure what they think is going to happen here. My hope is that they kind of come to their senses and come up with a new deal. Suggest a compromise or one will be one will continue to work around you. Yeah. Like if you want to have any hands on the reins, then you should get behind the fucking wheel. Yeah. Seriously. It's upsetting. That was a very mixed metaphor. <laughs> Steer the horse. I don't know. Steer like, the horse with the wheel. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I'm with the, with, the, the, with the car steering yeah, the wheel. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
Moving on, one of the largest media cases of the century, probably the media case of the century, uh, was between Fox News and Dominion. Normally, I try to keep this podcast to just publishing news, but this was very important to digital media and also all media in general. It's a media, like, It it affects the news, really. Um, So for those of you who weren't following, in 2020, Donald Trump lost the presidential election, and he believed that that was incorrect and that um, the voting machines that we use in our national collection, some of which national election, some of which were made by a company called Dominion, were hacked or fraudulent or fake. There were a couple contradicting theories about what that was. I'm not saying conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. but it was a conspiracy theory. There were a couple contradicting conspiracy theories. And uh, many of those theories were talked about on Fox News, both online and on on their TV news sections. And Dominion sued Fox for defamation because they believed that the Fox News writers and anchors knew, knew that, that what they were saying bullshit was a lie was a lie. And Dominion was pretty sure that in what is it called deposition or discovery in mm-hmm. discovery it would come out that. In fact, it was a lie. And it did. And they were right. Um, if you were paying attention, I guess, within the past couple months and saw that, you know, there were a bunch of text messages from Fox anchors coming out saying, oh, yeah, we know this is not real. This is not a thing. Then you, this is why. It's because they were forced to disclose it because Dominion and their lawyers were... Freedom of information. Doing their... Well, it's... Uh, I mean, it's a legal case. It was also a legal case. Yeah. Know, but, like, you can do information requests. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, this matters for defamation cases in general, not just because of the implications of the trial, but because of the implications of how it was settled. So, Dominion settled with Fox News. They got quite a lot of money. Dominion is actually a very small company, and... It's believed that the reason they settled with Fox News is because they genuinely just couldn't afford to keep the case going, even though they were going to win, really. I right. mean, the case hadn't started yet, but based on all of the information that was publicly available, it very much seemed like Dominion was in the right and the Fox News was in the wrong. And okay, so again, support things that you want to see more of, obviously, but corporations aren't your friends and they were offered a lot of money. They were offered a lot of money. A a genuine record-breaking settlement. Yeah. So this never went to court, which means that we don't actually have any legislation or um, any – what comes out of a court? Um, judgment? Judgment on what Fox was doing. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> you haven't even had your cider yet. I'm I haven't sure even this is started drinking. This is, this is a lot of caffeination and electrolytes um, that I'm still forgetting words. We actually didn't get a legal judgment from this case because they settled out of court. And a lot of media watchers like myself felt a little bit disappointed about that because a judgment in favor of Dominion would have clearly set out some guidelines for all media companies to say, this is how you should be talking about conspiracy theories. So Fox maintains that it was just covering the news, that Donald Trump was in the news and was still newsworthy. And all they were doing was just talking about what he was saying. But that wasn't what they were doing. They were, in fact, encouraging some of these conspiracy theories. And we have the transcripts from the shows like mm-hmm. that they, where they said publicly, like, I can't believe Dominion did this, you know. So Fox 
it lied essentially about what they had done. And then Dominion said that they're also lying about what they were trying to do. But again, we won't get a we won't get a summary judgment for this one. Uh, there is another case in the works from another voting machine manufacturer. Yeah, the God, other I'm so company. sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> There's another one in the works uh, with a, a similar claim as Dominion. So we'll see if uh, we Maybe. get a judgment from that. Maybe now that, well, yeah, hopefully. I, I, so it would be nice. Um, I know that they're hoping for a payout and I'm sure that's what they're going to stop at, but it would be nice to actually get something, basically a precedent set because settlements are settlements. Yeah. It's not a, it's not going to be something that can be used legally as a precedent until right. it actually goes through the whole process and a judgment is rendered. Right. So. Yeah. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, yeah. lots of money. However. Yeah. yeah so. Uh, as far as, you know, digital media and publishing goes, this has kind of brought to the fore that even opinion journalists need to be held to a standard similar to hard news journalists. And I think that that's something that we may see the effects of for a while. My hope, <laughs> I hope that opinion journalists get their shit together sometimes. Like, as someone who comes from hard news, I am so tired of opinion people just saying, oh, it's my opinion. It's like, yeah, but you're presenting it in such a way and it's yeah, on, and as on a forum. It yeah, like it is not and not it's cool. It's not. And now for our favorite news section, celebrating minorities and women in publishing. South Asian translated books are finally getting their due in the UK. This comes to us from Publishing Perspectives. Kaylee, do you want to give us a quick overview? Sure. So Daniel Hahn, um, who is a leading translator, he has um, worked very f- extensively with Publishing Perspectives International, you know, you know, in general and with international readers, um, has actually worked with a translator and institutional pro- or in, yeah, instructional professor, Jason Grunebaum. I'm sure I mangled that name. Sorry, Jason. But, yeah, sorry. But um, so basically, there's a program coming together at the University of Chicago. Um, one donor right now, but I'm sure they're seeking others. But basically, they're like supporting and encouraging it, like the mandate of translation of South Asian literature. Mm-hmm. And I uh, really appreciate like they're calling it the SALT project. I know. I love the which acronym is South Asian literature and in translation. translation. It's so perfect. And it. also because like a lot of minorities and people of color are just, and we've already talked about this, they're especially specifically in academia. This isn't just like in publishing. This is in academia explicitly because it's, it's housed out of the University of Chicago. So they're getting like a direct kind of acknowledgement, and which I think is is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so like they, the, I'll I'll read a quote actually for the creation of the the project from the joint statement, which was with this project we aim to bring some of the extraordinarily rich literature of the subcontinent to publishing markets where it has thus far been severely underrepresented. At, at subcontinent meaning the Indian subcontinent. Yes. Um, Which includes like six or seven countries, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So India and the surrounding countries is kind of the way that they, they say South Asian, just kind of lump all these things together. Go ahead. Yeah. So considering that India is massive and has... That subcontinent is massive. Yeah, yeah. Like it's such, it's 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 bonkers, like how little access that we have to their their content, their, their media. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, it's so awesome that we're seeing, you know, more, more coming According to um, that joint statement, less than 1% of all the translated literature published has 
been from a South Asian language, despite wow. the fact that, again, it's a quarter of the world's population. Like, yeah. it's bonkers. Mm-hmm. So it's good for you guys. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that you get additional donors so you're not supported solely off of one person and that this program does well. And now for our favorite section, Kaylee. Annie, what are you reading? So I actually, since I was traveling and I was in the air for like three and four hours at a time, um, I have fully read A Guide to Troubled Birds again, which again. is very short, to be fair, um, and very funny. It's like, um, this is birds and blurbs and then short stories that are in response to... I didn't know there were short stories. Oh, yeah. That's exactly. so very, cute. Like, like microfiction, basically. I love like, it. Less than a page, I usually. Love yeah. And it's so it's like... um. The risk I took was calculated, but man, am I bad with math. That, yeah, that, that bird. Whole... Yeah, I love that. Uh, so you actually recommended this um, in our last episode. I sure did. And I do want to say to all of our friends who are listening, this book is not available on bookshop.org, but you can go directly through the publisher yes. or you can call your local bookstore and get it. From 100%. There's no there issues. They'll come. It's really like easy to get. If you go it seems like a nice app. little coffee table book. Is that one hundred percent? Yeah. Okay. Good. Absolutely. It's it very, seems really adorable. It's again quick, quick read. Um. So after that, I ended up picking back up a T. Kingfisher book, a uh, minor mage, which I was like, I okay. really want to loan this to Annie because <laughs> it's so okay. So this is it's about a child dealing with adult situations and in okay. this case there's problems in his village and his older sister is also off being like an adult and so he's like 12 and he's got three spells and an armadillo familiar and there's a drought and his mom has just gone off to help his sister and he's like oh now's my time to try to go fix this problem and he's trying to figure out where to go what to do and i love him already <laughs> no genuinely like the sweetest most precious like he's such a good not like an unrealistically good kid he's just a good kid t kingfisher really she just knows how to pull on those heartstrings so, well. so hard and so like the village is just drummed itself up into a hysterical fit and they basically say you have to go and they essentially kick him out to go solve the problem he's already oh. trying to work to solve but like you're still dealing with people that you've known and loved all your life essentially turning into a mob like you know it would get violent if you don't yeah if you don't do something and then just dealing with this situation in this town in this land where magic and stuff sweet you know you've got monsters and magic and like you're still like and regular horrific people that are being awful which people can be and like you just have all of everyday that. tragedies yeah yeah and like just him on this journey trying to resolve this drought it's so good did you it's finish so it on the plane? Good. Oh, yeah. I finished okay. it 100%. Okay. Like, I finished both books easily. Good. And I really want to loan it to you. So now I just have okay. to – and I want to buy a physical copy anyway. Okay. So I will buy it and then I will loan it I mean, you. we can keep up this trend of you giving me T. Kingfisher books once a year and then me taking the full year to read them. <laughs> because that's what I was reading. I read Swordheart. Um, I loved so it. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, this is um, – I mentioned, I think, in a recent episode that I'm not super into YA. I would call this new adult. Yeah, I would um, 100% call, like, some of her adult things because she's actually a children's novelist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She her, does – she T. Does Kingfisher um, byline is her pen name is more, more adult but not, like, adult adult. I yeah, I would call it new adult. I mean, the characters are both older people, I would say. One's in her late 30s, one's in his early 40s, I would say. Mm-hmm. And they 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 bone. Um, not even at the end. I mean, clo- I'm sure they're boning at the end, but they're... <laughs> they're also boning <laughs> at the end. There, there aren't graphic descriptions, I would say, but they're not... It's not a fade to black either. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But you're like, oh, heck yes. <laughs> they're, you're just, like, so excited for them. Um, anyway, so this book is about this 
older woman. She's in her late 30s. She's a widow. And her family is trying to steal her money. And I think we've actually talked about this on the show before. When I was reading it the first time and then I loaned it to you. And so she has been like imprisoned in her own home. She's pissed. But she is like has gotten through life by never letting anyone know that she's angry and just babbling until someone leaves her alone like that's her defense mechanism is just to babble until they're like please stop Same. please stop please Same. stop please stop <laughs> yeah that's not my defense mechanism but i can appreciate that and that's your defense mechanism really One of them. oh my god you've never defended yourself against me i guess i've just never seen this. <laughs> i've never attacked you thank goodness i was gotcha. super anxious uh-huh. like when in high school there were issues you know just had i wasn't like a so people saw you as like a just a super chatty person when the truth was that you were just just baseline i was very quiet until they like a little greyhound just shivering perceived me and then (laughs) i perceived you (laughs) oh the terror of being known Oh, that's funny. But yeah, okay, that's good to know because then that's like why one of the main reasons that you like jumped into that. I at first was like not into this character. I was just like, oh god, not a talker. <laughs> I don't like. She talks for paragraphs, guys, literal paragraphs of just just babbling. But it's her defense mechanism, and so you like see what's it happening, because, and it works, yeah. right? Because no one. I mean, yeah, she's an older woman, and this is true of society today. Very much devalues older women to the point where a lot of t- there's there's a fantastic. I don't remember if it was one of our Stranger Than Fiction stories, but I feel like I've talked to you about this before. We did an episode of just like a bunch of stories that were Stranger Than Fiction, but they were true. Was these two ladies? who went on a crime spree. They were both in their 40s, and they realized that no one was ever paying attention to them because no one just saw them as useful for anything. So they were just stealing because no one was paying attention to them. I don't think we've talked about this, but I love it. (laughs) Oh, I don't remember. Now I'm saying it. It sounds too good to be true. So maybe it was fiction. I don't remember. But I, I feel like it was a true story. Anyway, so... She's, she is an older woman, and this is her defense mechanism. It's like she's assuming that people don't pay attention to her, but once they do, she makes them regret it. And so As she's – Yeah, so she's been stuck in this. She's exactly. Been, she's been stuck in this attic, a good old attic wife. You know, we love them. And unfortunately, she can't talk her way out of it because they refuse to talk to her at all. They're just locking her up in here. So she's like, well, fuck. Like, what do I do now? And so she's like, okay. Desperation. She starts grabbing things, and one of the things she grabs – accidentally it turns out as a magic sword and she's like what the how did you even get here like what is what is this and the so she draws the sword and there's a guy who lives basically in the sword and also has a sword and he can't wield himself you guys <laughs> he cannot wield himself of course um and he's like i am here to help and I'm she's usually like only drawn in bed why are you half naked and he's yeah so he's like why am i in this attic what's going on and she's like you were a collectible and he's like oh was I, you know, expensive or, you know, it was like really cute. Um, So this is their meet cute. And she's like, I'm kind of in peril. And he's like, oh, peril. Oh, now That's I what know I what do. to do. Yeah. So he breaks her out of there and they try and find help. Um, And he's like, he's constrained to follow her orders. So he never does anything against her, but he does get very frustrated with her because again, her defense mechanism is chatting and his defense mechanism is stabbing. And that <laughs> doesn't different. always go well. <laughs> very different. So they she's make like, it to... No, I've got this. And he's like ready to fight. And she's yeah. like, no, I really... She's like, sit down. I have a story about biscuits that I'm going to tell them and then they'll go away. And then they do. And you're like, what? 
It's so good. Funny. It's so good. So I want to be clear. This is a fantasy realm. This is a cozy mystery in a fantasy realm. Yeah. So magic exists in this world, but it's not extremely prevalent. Like you don't run into a magic user every day. It when you do, it's kind of a big deal. Than yeah. Like, like I throw a fireball. I cast magic missile at the darkness. It is genuinely hysterical. Like it doesn't feel too contrived. Yeah. She's writing a direct sequel to, to this, Sword to Heart, Sword Heart okay. yeah, which she obviously leaves open at the end, which, yeah, they're definitely going to go on like a mission to take out that god. Oh, my God. Yes, for sure. So there's a lot of like um, spiritual and religious drama kind of happening on the side. <laughs> it's a side plot to this, like, please. The cozy murder mystery. Yeah, exactly. There's a genuine so spiritual funny. upheaval happening in this world, but in it the doesn't background. Matter. Yeah, and but they give you tons of information. It's really oh, yeah. fascinating. It's so really I well done. Really loved her writing. Like, so I just solidly. If you want to check out any of these books, you absolutely can on our bookshop.org page, which I guess is just turning into a T Kingfisher Stan account. Um, we'll do our best it. to. We'll, do we'll bring other ones in too. I promise. <laughs> I I have some new ones to buy, so I will be buying some new books pretty soon. So I just need to go through Bookshop. I need to find them on Bookshop again. Uh, disclaimer: We do have an affiliate partnership with Bookshop, so anything you buy through them, we do get a commission. But we chose them specifically because they support, support. local bookstores and have raised oh twenty six million dollars. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. so cool. I'm one so the, excited for them. One of the things that it you know just specifically like directly helped independent bookstores, especially yeah. during the pandemic. Like absolutely, there were you know people well not that, especially literally. I literally, mean, it started in twenty twenty. So yeah, like they yeah that's that's a good point. Well, I mean they were it wasn't directly like they were trying to get the support and then the pandemic happened and yes. they were able to and that really helped it take off there were definitely bookstore owners that were like oh, i was in an issue i had like a flood or you know i had like i had an, i needed to have an exterminator come and replace right. xyz and i didn't think i was going to be able to do it and then i remembered my bookshop account i was like oh well, let me just go check and it was like i had twenty thousand dollars in it holy shit awesome yeah um because you know as the creator of Bookshop mentions, they like they're they're trying to be the third best option. Um, so if you're local, if you can't get to your local bookstore, and if they don't have a digital storefront to buy from directly, like this is a fantastic option. And even if you don't want to go through a direct bookstore, if you just go through Bookshop.org without like using an affiliate, there is a pooled fund. So anybody that is a participant that also participates in the the share will get a payout. So I think that's just mm-hmm. something to to just keep in mind. Yeah, you don't even have to go use our links. Use someone else's links. Yeah. Or use no links at all. Just go to bookshop.org. And it'll still support <laughs> local still stop, bookstores. Still support local bookstores. Yes. 10 out of 10. Thank you for listening to The Ink Sync. I have been Annie. I have been Kaylee. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. I don't know why it's always... I feel so silly. <laughs> introducing yourself at the end yeah i don't know i'm sorry uh you can i'm not kaylee anymore i'm steve (laughs) all right thanks steve um you can email us at inksingpodcast at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook pinterest instagram uh you can listen to the podcast wherever you are currently listening to it and wherever else you would like to if we're being honest you can support us uh we have a ko-fi account (laughs) 
We have a Kofi. You can buy us a coffee on, on Kofi. Yes, uh, buy us a coffee. Help us out. If you like us, we like you too. Uh, and we are setting up our supporter network in there. If you would like a say in what we create, please jump in. Should we make a Discord? Should we make merch? What kind of merch? That sounds fun. Let us know. And we, you can find all of the links to those on our link tree. Uh, as well as the Substack, which has the transcripts lovingly translated from our dithering yes. by Kaylee. <laughs> um, so for transcripts, it's not a script format, guys. Just to be clear, we do try to – it's more of a paraphrase. Like, we have yeah. direct quotes in it from ourselves. It's more of We're, a blog format, I would say. Exactly, yeah. So um, trying to keep the vibe in the content. Um, sometimes there are additional details. Sometimes not every word gets in just because it doesn't necessarily vibe in the written format. Um, and also, we talk a lot. <laughs> and not everything what? we say is useful. <laughs> so, How dare you? <laughs> um, everything I've ever said has been gold. <laughs> look, I just want to be very clear. I have been very much enjoying this. this. is exactly what I do in life as far as, like, my preferred content method of creation. <laughs> like, paraphrasing and running with it has been good. I, I love it a lot. So I'm super good, happy. Boy. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. And you can find the links to all of those on our link tree, which you can find wherever you found this show. Thanks for listening.